Take your Bibles with me, please, to the little epistle of 2 John. 2 John. We finished 1 John. So the next obvious progression is 2 John. 2 John, only one chapter, so if you were waiting for that, I'm sorry. 2 John, we'll start reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. As we begin this little letter that the Apostle John wrote, he's writing it to a, a real lady who's got children. If you see verse 1, the elder unto the elect lady and her children. Obviously, this is a lady who knows Christ as her Savior, her family as a Christian family. I don't know where, her, where the husband is, the father is. You know, I'm glad that uh, Christianity is not just for perfect people and perfect lives and perfect homes. There's no mention of the man in this story. I don't know if he's there or not there. I would think maybe he would have been addressed if he was. Maybe he was dead. Maybe there was some other thing happening here that we know not of. But what I'm trying to say, this was a real individual who knew Christ that John felt a need to write to. She had children and her family. The Bible even mentions in verse 13, the children of thy elect sister greet thee. So this is written to a real lady that had real children, a real sister, and they were in the family of God. But the Bible uses a very different word to describe her. It says, verse 1, the elder unto the elect lady. Elect. Now, you know, we have some people, if you, well, I'm not going to get into it much, but there is, there's a false doctrine called Calvinism that says that God chooses some people to go to heaven and he chooses other people to go to hell. And that is not scriptural. That's not true. God does not want anyone to go to hell. He didn't appoint anybody to the second death. It's appointed unto men once to die. God never appointed any man to die twice. The second death is going to the lake of fire. And he didn't want want anybody to go there. If you go to hell, it'll be your choice. It won't be God's choice. And even so, if you go to heaven, you've got to be, it's got to be your choice as well. But you say, well, the, the word elect means chosen. And it certainly does. But you have to understand, just like we use and describe the term elect, you know, we just had an election, right? Nobody was elected that did not put their name on the ballot. 
In other words, no one is elected forcibly. Nobody is elected against their will. Nobody ever became the president of of this country or the governor of this good state unless they desired to be, unless they filled out the paperwork, unless they put their name on the ballot. And even so, God will never choose you. You'll never be a part of God's elect unless you want to be on the ballot. If that's what you want, you've got to want that, you see. And, and God wants you to be saved more than you want to be saved if you're not saved here this morning. But that's got to be what you want. God doesn't force people to go to heaven. And uh, if you don't want Him, then you can die without Him and you can live without Him. But if you want Him, you can become part of His chosen. Now this word elect, He says, the elder unto the elect lady. And so that's what I'm preaching on this morning is the elect lady. If you studied the word elect and the word chosen, you would really, you wouldn't do a study of the church, you would do a study of Israel. Because out of the 27 times the word elect is found in the Bible, 15 of those times refer to the nation of Israel. And God's nation of Israel, and we've referred to them before, were God's chosen people. They were God's chosen nation. And so if that's new news to you, America is not God's chosen people. America, the United States is not God's chosen nation. No, that's not the case. So if you studied the word elect, you would have to study the nation of Israel. But also we find that that nine times the word elect does refer to the church. We are God's chosen because we're God's bride. But that's again, that's a picture of a marriage relationship. And we are God's chosen people. We're God's chosen bride if you're saved by the grace of God. But you don't put people together in a marriage that do not want to be in a marriage. I I chose Cindy to be my wife, but she had to also make the same choice. Isn't that right? She's my chosen, but she had to choose me as well. I didn't put a gun to her head. Her dad didn't make her do it. Matter of fact, he said, I guess you know what you're getting into. (laughs) It was my choice. Are you with me? It was her choice. If you want to be a part of God's people, if you want to be a part of God's bride, if you want to be a part of God's family, it'll be your choice. And then there's one one of the little verses I'd like to show you. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter, he tells us really who the elect really is. If you want to boil it real down, it's not even the nation of Israel, it's not even the church. But as he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, this would really be the study. He said in 1 Peter chapter 2, he talks about Jesus Christ at the end of verse 5. And he says in verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 2, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. You know what God's choice was? God's choice was his precious son. His only begotten son. His beloved son. Jesus is God's elect. He says that also in Isaiah chapter 42 verse 1. That the Lord Jesus Christ was God's elect. He was God's chosen. And that he delighted in him. And whoever will get in Christ will become part of God's choice. Do you see that? You, 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 God will never choose you for anything if you don't step in what He's already chosen, and that's His Son, the Lord Jesus. You step in Jesus, you'll step in God's choice.
I wonder this morning, have you chosen to trust Christ? It's not because you're an American you're saved. It's not because you're in church this morning you're saved. It's not who your mother and dad is. It's not what you do in your life or your good outweighs your bad. That's a lie of the devil that will cause you to burn forever in an eternal hell. The only way that you can be born again and go to God's heaven, you've got to choose Christ. You've got to receive Christ. Instead of holding on to your sin and choosing your sin, you need to choose Jesus. Where do people's sins take them anyway? Take you down the drains where it takes you. Takes you down the pit of despair. Why don't you choose Jesus Christ? He talks about this elect lady. Yes, she was a Christian lady who had chosen the Lord Jesus and Jesus and God had chosen her in Christ. She's also a wonderful type of the church. But I want to see two things this morning in verses 1 to 6 and we'll try to look at the rest of it next time. Two things about this lady. I want you to see this lady and the truth. Verse number one, the Bible says, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. Keep reading. And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. Verse two, for the truth's sake. You see that? Look at the end of verse three. The son of the father in truth. Verse number four. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. Over and over again. We're finding this truth that is connected with this lady. We live in a world of lies. We live in a world of deception. We live in a world that's not real. People present themselves as to be something they're not. I've tried, I've even preached when we preach so much on pornography and things of that nature. And, and these people are on that and they chat in these chat rooms. And some guy doesn't even know he's chatting with another guy. Because the other person is, is a fake. You know everything in this world's fake. Amen. That's why we've got real flowers up here this morning. Praise God. They're real flowers. Amen. I mean, people got fake body parts. Everything's fake today. People's uh, demeanor is fake. The way they interact with others is fake. There's a whole lot more fake in our society than just fake news. And there's plenty of that. But I wonder, do you know the truth? Do you know the truth? Do you have the truth? Do you love the truth? This elect lady was connected with the truth. Look at verse 1 again. Let's go through them. It says, The elder unto the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth. You know that you can't love anybody unless you're connected with the truth. By the fact, look down at verse number 6. And this is love that we walk after His commandments. You know the world doesn't believe that. They believe love is an emotion or love is a feeling. But love is connected with the truth. You can't separate love from the truth. The apostle here tells this elect lady, I love you in the truth. And if he wasn't a part of the truth, he couldn't love her. You can't love your wife unless you love the truth. You can't love your husband unless you love the truth. You can't love anybody because love is connected with the truth. 
Apostle John said, I love you because my life is connected with the truth of God and your life is connected with the truth of God. And because of that, there's love there. So there is no real love without the truth. You can't find love without the truth. You can't have love without the truth. Look at the very next epistle, 3 John. Look at verse 1. He said in 3 John verse 1, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love, how? In the truth. Would you come to the truth if for no other reason so you could find love in your own life? People are looking for love and they can't find love. You know what would be better? If you'd look for God's truth and then you would, when you find God's truth, you'll find love. Love is not a Hallmark movie. Love is not a gift you wrap under the tree. Love is found in the truth. He says, The elder unto the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth. Keep reading verse number 1 there in Second John. He said, Whom I love in the truth and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. He said this, If you know the truth, then you'll love the people that are of the truth. He says, not only, lady, do I love you, but everybody that knows the truth loves you. Do you see that in your Bible? I bet that was a blessing, this lady. It's a blessing to know that you're loved, isn't it? And John said, hey, lady, I," and she's not even named. I don't even know who, who she is. I think that's on purpose, by the way. And John says, I'm not the only one that loves you. Everybody that's of the truth loves you. You know what's true? Church this morning, if you know the truth, if you've been saved by the grace of God, if you have come to He that is the truth and left the error of your sin and embraced the truth of God and His salvation, God puts a love in your heart and you cannot but help to love other people that are of the truth. The elect lady in the truth. You know why I love the church? Oh, this lady is a type of the church. If you're, of the, if you're of the truth, you can't help but love the church. You know why people don't love the church? Because they're not of the truth. They love, they love their ball team. They love their job. They love their children. They love their hobbies. God says if you're of the truth, then you love people that are of the truth. You'll love the, you'll love the church. Boy, I love the church. I do. I love Jesus, but I love the church. And I can't separate that. You know why? Because the church is His body. Do you think you could love God without loving His church? I tell you what, you know what? We've got a a wonderful assembly here. But you know what? It's a wonderful thing to be loved. I tell you what, if you work at Walmart, I don't know if those people love you down there. If If you work at the arsenal... Uh, I don't know if they love you or not. Matter of fact, I don't even know if your neighbors love you. And I'm not even quite sure if some of your family members love you. But this is what I know. If you'll get saved by the grace of God, you'll have a whole group of people that love you. And you know what the devil might tell somebody in here this morning? You can't be loved or nobody loves you. If you're saved by the grace of God, hey man, you can walk right down here and we'll put our arms around you and we'll kneel down beside you and pray with you because there's a love that's put in our heart 
for people that are of the truth. Since we know the truth, we can't help but love the elect lady. You see that? And there's something in problem. There's a problem in your life. If you don't have love in your life, it's probably because there's a lack of truth in your life. He said in verse number one, not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. And then I want to look at verse two. We're not finished with the truth, this lady and the truth. He says, verse number two, for the truth's sake. Wow. He said, the reason I'm writing this lady is for the truth's sake. It's not really for your sake. It's for the truth's sake. And the reason that you're here, lady, is not just for your sake. It's for the truth's sake. Can I tell you that our lives have meaning if our life is for the truth's sake? Do you have a purpose in life? What is it? For whose sake do you live? For what purpose do you live and breathe and go through the day and go through the next week? The Apostle Paul says, my life is for the truth's sake. It's said another way, this way Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, number 8, verse 8, he says, we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. He said, my whole life is to promote the truth and to prop up the truth. My life is for the truth's sake. It's not for my own sake of living. I wonder this morning, how does your life affect the truth of God in the world? Is your life a reflection of the truth in your home? Is your life a reflection of God's truth in in society as you live it from day to day? Are you saying, well, I'm getting up this morning and it's for the truth's sake. You say, preacher, well, I'm a construction worker. Well, it ought to be for the truth's sake. You say, well, I drive a truck. It ought to be for the truth. You say, what do you mean? The Bible says for me to live is Christ, you see. And Christ is the truth. Everything about my life is for the truth. It's not, it's not to, to, to finish building my house or get a, pay my bills or, or have a car. All that will pass away. And that means if that's what my life's about, it has no meaning. Is your life for the truth's sake? Is the purpose of it to exalt the truth, to exalt Jesus who is the truth, to exalt His Word that is the truth? Or do you have another reason to live? For the truth's sake. Every decision that I make, you know what I want to ask myself? How does this affect the truth? What kind of light or shadow will this put on the truth? When others look at me, will they have a good view of the truth? He says to this elect lady for the truth's sake. Now keep reading verse 2. Which dwelleth in us. Hallelujah. I'm glad that the truth is just not something that's sitting on the coffee table. Amen. It's not just something that's sitting there. There's the truth. No, no. The truth, if you're saved by the grace of God, the truth dwelleth in us. It's inside of me. Thy word have I hid in my heart, you see. That word is on the inside. And not only, amen, the written word is on the inside, but the incarnate word is on the inside. The word of God that was made flesh and dwelt among us, that word which is the truth, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the truth dwelleth in me. Oh, what a change in my life. You know, that's a whole, that's a whole different story than just going to church. I'm glad you're in church this morning. But this is my question to you. Does the truth dwell in you? 
Does the truth live in your heart? Does Jesus Christ, who is the truth, dwell in you? If he does, what a wonderful promise. Look at verse 2 again. For the truth's sake which dwelleth in us and shall be with us. How long? Isn't that a blessing? I don't know what this elect lady has gone through. But I can, as it were, in my mind's eye, I can see John patting her on the back and say, Lady, listen, the truth's going to be with you forever. It doesn't matter what happens in your life. It doesn't matter what trash you have to go through. The truth is going to be with you forever. It's on the inside of you and it'll always be there. Everybody else may walk away from you, but the truth will never walk away from you. What a promise. I'm glad that Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Everybody else might. Matter of fact, people may leave you that you thought would never leave you. But if you're saved by the grace of God, the truth will never leave you. It'll stay right there by your side. It'll be with you forever. You know what? When I'm in heaven, amen, when I'm in heaven, we're not going to be watching Disney movies. You know what we're going to have? We're going to have the truth. I got the truth now. I'm going to have it forever. I'm so happy about that. Amen. My life is not going to be wrapped up in a lie or deception. The truth is going to abide with me forever. And if you're saved, it will you as well. If you're not saved, you're just going to keep living that lie and being deceived by the great liar. And your eternity is not going to be one of truth. It's just going to be one of sorrow and disappointment and shame and torment. He says, the truth which shall be with, that shall be with us forever. And then I see something else. He says in verse number 3, Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. Not only is truth a description of this lady, it's a description of her God. The Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father is in truth and love. There is no real God without, without the truth. The world wants a God that is not a God of truth. The world wants a God that they invent, that they make after their own opinions. You say, preacher, why do we have so many different religions and denominations? Because people want to make their own God. They want to invent a God that they like, that they agree with. I'll tell you what, when I got saved by the grace of God, it wasn't the Baptist church that said this is the way. It's the Word of God that says this is God. And if you don't like it, you can lump it. But this is who God is. It's the God of the Bible. It's not the God of my invention. It's not the God of the things that I like and I don't like. When you come to God, you don't have a cafeteria, sir. It's the God that's in truth and in love. If you have no truth, you have no God. And that's why the world doesn't have a God. They have religion, but they don't have a God. That's a real God because it's not rooted in the truth of God. He's truth and He's love. And those two are combined together. Would you see verse number 4? You see how truth and love is combined together. Verse 4. I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. Do you see that? As we have received a commandment from the Father, 
And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye, uh, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. He's saying we need to walk in love, and we need to walk in the truth. And you're not walking in love if you're not walking in truth. Because love and truth are connected. He even says that in this little next epistle. Would you look at 3 John? 3 John verse 3. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. This lady was walking in truth. This lady was walking in love because the truth is love. She was walking in the commandments. And not only she was, but her children were doing the same. I have no greater joy, he said, than than my children walk in truth. He said, you're such a blessing lady because you're doing right. You're doing what God told you to do in that Bible. You're doing what the commandments... You're walking in that truth. You're walking in that love. He said, but you're not only doing it, your kids are doing it. You know, there could be parents that could give testimonies right here this this morning. That not the greatest rejoicing, but the greatest burden of life is knowing that your children are not walking in truth. Now, the world doesn't have that view. The world, this is the way lost people do. They don't care what their kids do. As long as they don't embarrass them. But the Bible says the rejoicing, the blessing is not just me walking in truth, but my children walking in truth. And not just that they're walking the way I want them to walk. They're walking in truth. Their steps are ordered by the Lord. They're doing what God said in the Bible. Guys, we have broken families and a broken society and all this mess. Why? People aren't walking in the truth. My son could be a millionaire today and be the most successful man in North Alabama. And if he wasn't doing what God said in the Bible, my heart would be broken. Are you listening to me? My daughter, she could be married and have all these children and and have such a successful life. And if she's, you know, a beautiful individual, everybody like, and if she wasn't doing what God told her to do in the Bible, my heart would be broken. Let me ask you a question. Are your children walking in truth? If not, that's that's a prayer need, isn't it? Is Is that your desire for them? I never forget there was a young man. I may have told this story before. I have to look at my wife and she has to nod or she has to do this. In Virginia, I pastored a young man that he said God called him to preach. Good young man. Sharp, sharp looking, athletic, just. His mom and dad weren't all that committed to God, but they were in church. But man, God just lit his fire. We were driving back from a youth meeting and he was on the van and he said, Preacher, God's called me to preach and I want to preach, but I got a problem. I said, what's that? 
He said, my dad wants me to go to West Point. There's nothing wrong with going to West Point. Matter of fact, especially at that time, we're talking about, when would that be, honey, the 90s, I guess, the late 90s. And he said, but man, I really want to preach. Are you listening to me this morning? And so you know what happened to that young man? They, they did a lot of work. He's a sharp young man. Congressman had to get involved. You know, to get to West Point's not an easy thing. He got an invitation to go to West Point. He said, I don't know what to do. And you know what I told him to do? I said, you need to do what God tells you to do. But he did what his daddy and mama wanted him to do. I won't tell you how that story ends, but I think you probably know. What does it matter if you go to West Point and you fly helicopters and make a lot of money, but you're not doing what God tells you to do, and then your life falls apart afterwards because you weren't doing? Is it a sin to go to West Point? Not unless God tells you to do something else. What is your desire for your children? Do you want them to do what God tells them to do? Or do you want them to do what they want to do? Or what you want them to do? I think sometimes parents are that way because you know why? They don't want to do what God wants them to do. So how is your kids going to do what, want to do what God wants to do when you don't want to do what God wants you to do? Yeah. Am I meddling yet? This elect lady was walking in the truth. Where are you going today? I'll go wherever the truth goes. What decision are you going to make today? I'm going to make the decisions that, that, are, that are in accordance with the truth. I'm walking in the commandments. I'm walking in love. I love God. I love the truth. I love the people of God. I love the things of God. And that's going to dictate how my life goes. The lady... And the truth. Then I want to hurriedly give you verse 3. And I'm finished this morning. The lady and her gifts. This lady was given some gifts. And these gifts came from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you look at verse 3? It says, Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This lady is not only connected with the truth, but this lady is connected with three of the greatest gifts that any human being could ever receive or ever have in their life. If you could think of the greatest gift you could receive this year, what would it be? We preached on the Christmas float through there, and we would say, the greatest gift is not found under a tree, but the greatest gift was found on a tree, hanging on a tree. He is the greatest gift. You know, there are some gifts that are so valuable you can't even put money on them. You can't even buy them. You can't even contain it in a package. You couldn't even wrap it up. This lady was given three of the greatest gifts that mankind ever received. The Bible says this in verse number 3. He says, grace... And mercy and peace. Those are the three great gifts. You know what grace is? I'll take them one at a time. Grace. You know what grace is? It is the unmerited favor of God. In other words, you can never deserve it. We can never deserve God's favor. We can never deserve God's smile. We can never deserve God's acceptance. 
And if you've been accepted by God, if you've been blessed by God, it has to be by His grace. That's what it says about our salvation. If you're saved, it's only by grace. It is a gift of grace. And the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is only the grace of God. But faith will connect you with the grace. If I can do nothing to merit God's favor, if I can do nothing for God to accept me, well then how do I get into God's family? And how do I get into God's, God's grace? How do I get into His salvation? I'll just believe Christ. I'll trust Him instead of me. My heart will be broken over my sin and for my grace I will be saved through faith. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be made rich. You know what grace is, the gift of grace? It's Jesus leaving heaven and everything for you and taking your place and your sin on the cross of Calvary so you could have all of His riches and all of His righteousness and His place in heaven one day. That's grace. And it's a gift. You ever receive that gift? I don't know what you're going to get this year, Daddy. You may get those old socks that wear out, you know, you throw in your drawer and you don't ever look at them again. I don't know what you're going to get this year. But I know the great, greatest gift that probably somebody could have here this morning would be the gift of God's grace. You're not saved. And you'll never, you'll never earn that. You've got to receive that grace of God in your heart. The Bible says that He giveth more grace. You know, if you're saved this morning, you still need grace. He giveth more grace. The Bible tells us that God is a God of the manifold grace of God. It's it's like it just is in layers. You can just keep pulling them back. God came to the Apostle Paul and he says, My grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, in your pain, in your struggle. I'm telling you that that grace is a gift of God. He says for us to come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you need grace, I know where you can find it. You can find it at the throne of God. And then he says mercy. This elect lady had the gift of grace. She had a gift of mercy in her life. What is mercy? It's God's withholding of deserved judgment. The grace is unmerited, unearned. But the mercy is something that is is holding back from you that you deserve. You know what's sad? If there's somebody in here this morning that's not saved, the devil will tell you you don't deserve hell. That's why people don't get saved. Because they don't think they deserve hell and God would certainly never send them there. You're a sinner just like I'm a sinner. And the wages of sin is death. God's not going to let sin into His heaven. You say, well, what am I going to do? You need to get God's mercy. According to His mercy, He saved us. You know what you need to do? You need to do what all those people did when Jesus passed by. And they said, have mercy on me, thou son of David. I know I don't deserve anything but the judgment of God in my life because I'm a sinner. But have mercy upon me. You know what I'm glad to tell you this morning? That God is rich in mercy. 
And he wants to extend it to you. But there never was a gift you received that you didn't want, that you didn't reach out and take. Mercy rejoiceth against judgment. The Bible says that the Gentiles should, might glorify God for his mercy. We sit here this morning as hell-deserving people, but many of us have experienced the gift of God's mercy. Bless His name. Do you need mercy this morning? This elect lady had mercy. She, she's probably a great lady, but she's a sinner, and she needed the mercy of God. Grace, mercy. And then what's the last thing in verse 3 there? What is it? What is it? You hear that word a lot, especially this time of year, don't you? Peace on earth. You'll see the bells and they'll put peace up this season. You know what's true? The majority of all people on this planet have no peace at all. You know why? Because it only comes from God the Father. And by the way, listen, if, if, you, if you've not heard anything else I said this morning, would you listen to this? That little phrase occurs over and over again in the Bible. Grace, mercy, and peace. Over and over. Listen, it's always in that order. It's never peace and grace. Never. It is grace, mercy, and peace. You know what the truth is? You can never get to the peace unless you get to the grace and the mercy of God. The peace is a a byproduct. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He obtained peace for us by His cross. The blood of His cross brought that peace into my life. His grace and the mercy allowed this sinner to have God's tranquility. That's what peace is. God's assurance. God's heavenly rest. This is the gospel of peace this morning. You may be on a war path against God, but God wants to make peace with you. He is the God of peace. He is the King of peace. He is the author of peace. Jesus is our peace. And He'll make peace with you through Jesus Christ if you want Him. I wonder this morning, do you have peace? Wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. Oh, the absence of peace is just carefulness. And worry and no assurance and no rest like the wicked waves of the sea that have no rest. Do you have peace in your heart? This dear lady, I don't know what she's been through her life, but God gave her the gift of peace. You have peace in your heart. You have peace in your home. It comes from God above. And as long as you're fighting against Him and struggling with Him, You'll just find confusion, but God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, and He wants peace in your life. Have you experienced the mercy of God? You know what the opposite of mercy is? It's vengeance. You know how many people are trying to get back at somebody else? Their whole life is a life of vengeance because they have no mercy. And their life is full of care because they have no peace. You know what the opposite of grace is? Bitterness. If you have no grace, you have bitterness. 
If you have no peace, you have vengeance. Or excuse me, if you have no peace, you have carefulness. If you have no mercy, you have vengeance. This woman, we don't even know who she is. But she had three of the greatest gifts in the world. I don't know what you're getting for Christmas. I don't even, I don't even know if you care. My kids came to me and said, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? I said, nothing. And it's not because I'm a Scrooge. I just don't, I don't need anything. But if you're going to get me those ugly socks, I'll write something down. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what gift you want in life. But I'm going to ask you something. Is your life connected with the truth? And have you ever received the gift of God's grace, His mercy, and then His peace? Or are you trying to find peace in your life without getting the grace and the mercy in your life?